Welcome back to the Sully Scoop for three lifelong Husker pros dive in depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans with J Cell, B Cell, and T Cell. Just another week where we talk about the number one team of the offseason here on the Sully Scoop. But we're going to shoot it over here to B-Cell. He's got a quick question for the panel. Absolutely. And riding high on this national championship offseason for these Cornhuskers, I got to turn it over to the panel, guys. For the next 20 seasons, would you prefer the Huskers pull out and win one national championship in that 20 years College football playoff, you win the whole thing, you win the national championship once in 20 years, and the other 19 years, the team is awful and unbearable to watch. You know, you're you're more like a Northwestern. Or would you rather make it to the national championship game and lose 15 out of those 20 years? Lisa, I gotta say, I'm taking that one championship. I feel like I feel you, like you gotta be kidding me. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. I feel like I feel like if this was a serious thing, we just watched 19 years of crap. So that one championship year is gonna be next year, and then we can turn the page on what's next because we just watched 19 years of crap. So we're due that championship, is what you're telling me. I don't know about you, but it hasn't been 19 years of crap football. Listen. We haven't necessarily been the most relevant team, but it hasn't been bad football. Even Mike Riley had this team ranked at one point. You're talking we are we are five years into this. If you if you are going back five years, that would tell me that the next 15 years we could come in second place and be in the college football playoffs every year. Or you're gonna sit around and hope one out of those 15, you're gonna win a championship. Come on. I can tell you what I'm taking and I love the hype. I love drinking the Kool-Aid. Look, even if I know we're going to go into a game and lose, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'll say it right now. I'll say it again. If we have an opportunity to win 15, like win our way to get there, but we end up losing, it is all about the road of victory to get there. And you know, once you're there, anything can happen. But you know what? I'll take the losses any day of the week because it's showing that we have a good football program that is building. So, you know, past the 20 years, you never know what happens. But if you win one fluke, that is not the same. And you're not even riding the mojo. I mean, I want to drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Who are you? Florida State? I mean, come on. Let's be completely realistic here. And I'm going to take a page out of Mr. Jaisal's playbook. And if the Huskers were to go... 15 out of 20 years to the college football playoff and lose in the national championship game. That means they're winning the big 10. And if you're rattling off 15 out of 20, I'm sorry, Jason, does that mean Nebraska would become the juggernaut of the big 10? Yes, they would be the juggernaut of the big 10. If they were to win the big 10, every single one of those years, but look, you do not have to win the big 10 to even get to the playoffs. So at that point, 
It doesn't even matter. We're in the playoff. I don't even care if we win the first game of the playoff. Guess what? We are in the playoff. We made it to the dance. I'll do that 15 out of 20 years anytime. I mean, I don't want a one fluke of a win. I want repetition. Jason, I got to stop you right there and be so you guys have both lost your mind. And the words of Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. Give me that championship ring because at the end of the day, all we count are rings. Nobody talks about who has the most second place wins or the second place finishes in college football. Hey, hey, Nobody hey, talks hey, about how that. Dare, Nobody cares. How, how dare you disrespect the best three and nine football team ever in college football? We count every win and every loss like it matters. And let me tell you right now, T-Sol, there is no way you would not be on board with this. I had to listen to you tell me that Scott Frost was an offensive guru for five seasons. And for five seasons, I saw the most pedestrian Nebraska offense in history. So don't tell me that you would sit here and you would take 19 years of crap football because I know that's a lie and you know it's a lie and you need to just own up and admit the fact that, yes, while one championship would be great, you're not sticking around for 19 years of bad football. You will be putting everybody else's head on a stake. You would be storming Lincoln. You'd be storming the Capitol. You'd be at Memorial Stadium, and you'd be chanting for them to get the next head coach. Where if you're coming in second place in the national championship game 15 years out of 20, let me tell you, you have a team. You've got a But you didn't coach. win anything. So what's the point of having you a team? Won the big, you you won anything. the Big Ten. Because so that there's meant, no way. That has meant nothing. Winning the Big Ten has meant absolutely nothing except for 2013 Ohio State took it off. It's something but I'm just we saying, haven't done. I'm just saying, it's, national, national, if, if you look at the national scale, winning the Big Ten has meant nothing. Every team that's won the Big Ten has gone to the playoff and lost, except for 2014 Ohio State. Change my mind. You're, I, all you guys I are saying – no, no, hold oh on. All you guys are saying is if if we go 15 years and come in second place out of 20 years, you're just talking about being the next Oklahoma because that's all Oklahoma is and is good for. They're a relevant team. Sure, yeah, they win the Big 12. They go to the playoff and get annihilated. And so then a lot of years they come out with one or two losses and people just don't trust them because they're like, look, Oklahoma, we already know you guys are maxed out at this. I'm not going to be maxed out at second place. I'm going to be maxed out taking a championship. That's what I'm doing. All right, listen, you can uh, back your little Florida State Jimbo Fisher logic up here. And I can tell you right now that there is no way you take the one out of 20. You take the 15 tries at it because your team is back. Your team then is You just said we're the losing future. them all. You said yes, we're losing we them all. would lose them, but guess yeah. what? You have the opportunity to even be there. I want I'm you to count go rings, on the street. baby. I'm counting I rings. Want, I got one. How many you I got? I want you to None. go on the street in New York and go walk around and ask those Jets fans if they liked going to the AFC Championship game three years in a row and losing. I bet you every single one of them would take that time back because – just being there is something special. Or would you take what the Chicago Cubs did? You take 2016, we lived it, we watched it, and now our team is back to crap. That's right. The Cubs did that. But you know what? We got that one magical year, and it was awesome, and the greatest year of baseball history on the planet. But guess what? Now we got to wait another 108 years just for it to get back. Was it really worth it? Or do it you was think totally you could hit a worth fluke? it. 
Do you think we could hit a fluke every once in a while if our team was just there every single season? I mean, you might lose every championship for 15 years out of the 20, but what's to come after that if you still have a franchise building? I mean, look what the Cubs did. A hit lightning in a bottle. I mean, they aren't doing it again for another 108 years with the people they are putting on that field. That's exactly it. That team underachieves so much, it's ridiculous. And let me tell you something. This Huskers team has an opportunity under Matt Rule to really hit the ground running and build something for the future in the long run. And like I said, T-Salt, at this point, Nebraska hasn't been and won a conference championship. I'm not even talking national championship. We haven't won a conference championship in over 20 years, which is a joke. We should have come into the Big Ten, and we should have been running away with it. We should have been winning and going and just dominating the Big Ten because it's not that different a conference. This team was phenomenal in the Big 12 when we got screwed by Texas. You know, honestly, B-Saw, you really just hit me with the reality check right there, and It was you saying Matt Rule and what he can do going forward. And honestly, I was just in this space of being like Ohio State, being there, but not winning it every year, you know, having our 15 years. That's with Urban Meyer. I mean, we have Matt Rule. I am jumping ship. I want my one championship. I am with T-Saw here because I don't think he's doing that 15 years in a row like that. I want my ring with Matt Rule and then get him out of here. I am still waiting for an urban. And when urban he's here, 15 out of 20 all years, right, you lose. Right, I think right. that Listen, is possible. I, I apologize to all the scoopers out there. I did not mean for this segment to turn back into an urban love fest because let's be real. The only person who still wants urban around is Jay. So I don't even think his wife, Shelly, wants him around. But let's flip the page and let's look at what Matt Rule is building for the future. And let's talk about that number one overall prospect in the 2024 class. How are you guys feeling about Dylan? Well, I can tell you if I signed up for your 20 years of losing, then I wouldn't care about recruiting and I wouldn't be feeling good about the future knowing that there's no championships in my history. But if I look at 20 years, And I got one ring coming. I can live off that year. I could talk about that year for the rest of my life. But you know what? You know what 20 years of second place is? Nothing. That's what that is. You do realize that everybody still celebrates and puts up their years of being a conference champion. Look around Memorial Stadium the next time you're there. You'll see national champions and you'll see conference champions. And before you could be a national champion with this Husker football team, we need to get back to winning the conference. And that is what Matt Rule is going to do. And that's why, listen, 15 years out of 20, if we can win the Big Ten, I'm on board. You know, I'm not saying honestly, I'm not on board with that, but if we're going to win the you, Big you Ten. You just said you were. You just said you weren't on board with that. You want one national championship, which would equate to one conference champion. I, told I would you take the other one national years, champion over no national champion. Years, would be unwatchable football. We would trot Mike Riley and Scott Frost back out there, and you would get we already sprinkles. Did. Nope, nope. We're we're running it back again. We're gonna go out there. You're gonna get sprinkles after every bobbled snap and and drop punt. 
It's going to be ridiculous. It's awful. It's unbearable football. And T-Cell, I got to tell you, you are wrong. J-Cell, do not turn this back into a love fest. We don't care. Well, what's right, going to happen is listen, you guys are going to be the ones be well with it. a million broken TVs. That's what you you guys are going to be the meme of the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to be punching TVs at 15 out of 20 years because you guys can't win and close the big games. Well, how about this? Enjoy watching no football on your TV. You can have it pristine. I don't really care because we're there and I'm watching the game. All right. But this I want you to listen. The argument we opened up here with, though, be salt on either winning it or sorry, winning it once out of 20 years or just being in contention for 15 out of 20 years really brings us into the segment. I want to say into this Dylan Rayola. We have no reason to even be in contention to get Rayola. No reason. I'll be the first one to say it, but I think he's coming. Second of all, that is why it's like our 15 chances is Dylan Rayola even having our name there? USC, their coach has had the f- past five of his quarterbacks have been Heisman contenders and at the ceremony, or they won it. Georgia has just ripped off back-to-back national championships. I mean, and Oregon has all the Nike apparel you could ever want in life. But somehow these Huskers are here. Somehow these Huskers haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. And you're telling me that we have a chance. This is our 15 out of 20 years. But look, if we get Dylan Rayola, that one out of 20 could be hitting next season and we are getting a ring. But don't ever, don't ever discredit my love fest for Urban Meyer here, B Salt. I am looking for a dynasty. And that guy knows dynasties. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Urban does not know dynasties. He's never ran a dynasty. Got to talk to Saban about that one. And even Kirby smart now. I believe a dynasty is three wins in four years. So Kirby isn't there yet. But yes, Jason, I'm with you. Jumping into this Dylan Rayola fiasco. All right. And yes, Scoopers, Dylan Rayola is good enough to get his own segment on the scoop this week or any week, really. But what I want to point out is I'm just going to jump through the history for everybody who might have been sleeping or not paying attention uh, during just everything that's going on with him. He started. He was interested in Nebraska, and then Scott Frost pissed him off weeks later, commits to Ohio State. Okay. Then Nebraska makes the coaching change, fires everybody, hires Matt Rule. He starts thinking about himself. Where is he? What does he want to do? He decommits from Ohio State. And from that point on, I have heard no rumors or anything about him going and recommitting back to Ohio State. So they must have said something to him saying, hey, if you if you decommit, we're done with you or something. Something must have happened because it seems like the interest completely dropped off the table. And then everyone assumed, all right, He's decommitting from Ohio State. He's probably going to Nebraska because he he was thinking about Nebraska from the get-go because of his family ties. But it didn't happen like that. I mean, he took a couple of trips. Nebraska was like, hey, hey, we're interested. And then all of a sudden, national championship comes around the corner. Georgia's everywhere. Now he's interested in Georgia. He's taking trips to Georgia. He's at the national championship game. Everyone starts thinking he's going to Georgia. And then all of a sudden, Georgia starts recruiting another quarterback and that kind of died off. So everyone's like, all right, he's going back to Nebraska. He starts thinking, diving into Nebraska heavy again. 
And now we're hearing USC out of left field. I mean, what is going on with that? I just, I just feel like, I just feel like Dylan is, he wants to test the waters of everything, see what's out there for everyone and what they can offer. I mean, being the number one recruit in the country, you could do whatever you want. Everyone's going to want you there. But I just feel like he's slowly realizing like nothing hits home like Nebraska. I mean, he grew up watching his dad play for the Huskers. He grew up, you know, wearing Husker gear. He's, he's used to cheering for the Huskers. To me, I just feel like the Huskers are the team that's closest to his heart. And ultimately, I believe that is where he is going to go. But that doesn't mean he's not going to see what else everybody is going to offer him, what other athletes are going where to better himself for the NFL, because ultimately that is where that guy is going to land. Listen, t I think there's a lot to look at when you are thinking about where Dylan Rayola is going to play football. And as much as Husker Nation would love to see him come and follow in his father's footsteps, take that next step, play for his uncle, put Nebraska back on the map, be the savior, being deemed that as an 18-year-old kid is a lot to live up for. He's also got his younger brother, who's also a quarterback in the 2026 class. And Dayton's already got a scholarship offer to Nebraska as well. And he's a highly rated quarterback also. But the Rayola family is not taking this for granted. They already transferred high schools again this year because the private school that they go to was going to have some changes and there was no guarantees that it would be the best opportunity for Dylan to show off his skill set and same with Dayton. So they transferred to a different school at the high school level to put themselves in the better opportunity to truly take off and solidify themselves as top tier quarterbacks going into their college football careers. With that being said, Dylan Rayola is certainly listening to all offers. He is trying to figure out what is going to be the best opportunity for him to win. Did Matt Rule do himself some favors with this first recruiting class he had? Absolutely. I think he brought in a lot of talent. But I don't know if Dylan is going to view that as the best opportunity for him to take the next step in furthering his football career. I certainly hope he does. And I think the rest of Husker nation does as well. But when you look at who we are up against, I think it is truly between it's a three horse race. It's Nebraska, a team where he's deemed the savior. He follows in his dad's footsteps. He's been coming to games since he was a kid. One of those places that just feels like home. Lincoln Riley and USC, where he can go learn from, like Jay Sell said, one of the guys who puts his quarterbacks in the best opportunity to further their football career, or with Kirby Smart down at Georgia, where you have an opportunity to truly go and win yourself national championship games. And I think one of the reasons that Alabama is not on the list is, let's be real, I think Nick Saban is trending towards retirement. I also think that's why Clemson is not on his list, because it certainly would not surprise me if when Nick Saban steps down, Dabo Sweeney steps in to his alma mater at Alabama and becomes their head coach. 
you're not going to commit to either one of those guys if you don't know where they're truly going to be at. Well, and be so even jump farther on top of that. It seems like Clemson's been on the the downtrend. So why would you want to go to a program that seems to be headed down? And Alabama, I mean, Alabama is still Alabama, but they definitely now are second tier because Georgia seems to be the new Alabama. But I mean, it wouldn't be a wrong decision to go to Alabama. You know, you're going to have the best athletes around you as you would at Georgia. But ultimately, going to a team like Georgia or Alabama, you're not guaranteed to start freshman year. Guess what? If you come and you commit to the Huskers, you're going to be starting freshman year. Because if you look at our quarterback room, think about the scoopers, okay? We were trotting out in games to start Purdy because we thought he gave us the absolute best position to win. Look, I don't know what those guys, what those coaches were drinking, you know, in the pregame or all in practice all week or, or whatever. I don't know what they were drinking because the quarterback that I saw on the field, that was a guy who maybe I signed up for like intramural football somewhere else, not for starting for the Nebraska Cornhuskers on Saturday. It was just, it's just crazy. So just based on seeing that, and yes, I know Casey Thompson's a different story, but Casey Thompson does not match up to Dylan Rayola. And the new guy we got coming in, Jeff Sims, also does not match up to Dylan Rayola. So I'm telling you this, if he commits to the Huskers, I would say 99% sure this guy's going to be our starting quarterback from the get-go. T-Soul, 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 that is very valid. I mean, Clemson is on the downtrend, and we just saw Alabama also have a downtrend. If you come to the Huskers, look, you can't go any further down. So look, it's a straight rocket back up. And that is why I think Rayola is going to be coming to Lincoln, Nebraska to play for these Huskers. If you go look at the crystal ball predictions, I mean, no, the Huskers are not in first, but it is USC with 55.6%. And the Huskers are in second with 33.3. Then you have Georgia at 11.1. I want you to all know something. Six experts picked him to go to USC. Six experts picked him to go to Georgia. Seven experts picked him to come to Lincoln, Nebraska and play for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And guess what else? Last week, Georgia was ranked number one on his list for the Crystal Balls, and they were at 54%, while the Huskers were at 32%. And USC was at a measly 10%. It is very odd how those two just flip-flop spots and the Huskers stayed there. Hmm. Seems like it's a little SEC bias put in there or some type of bias that they want to put against the Nebraska Corn Huskers. I mean, hey, I'm not going to disagree with it. We have been seeing what the Huskers have been trotting on the field for the past at least five years, if not more that you want to count because I mean, the list goes on for me. However, I do believe Rayola will be wearing the red and white for the Huskers come the 2024 season. And Jay, so to go even on top of that, the other team in the mix that we're not even hearing about is supposedly Oregon, but nobody's picking him to go to Oregon. And I'll say this. I believe if you being in Dylan Rayola's shoes, and yes, this is a little biased for obvious reasons, 
If you pick Nebraska or Oregon over USC or Georgia, it's 100% the right move to make. You don't want to go to Georgia. You're not guaranteed to play in Georgia. And if you do, you get overlooked just based on the other stars you got out there. I mean, how hard is it to throw up a pass to, you know, we'll use Joe Burrow, but how hard is it to throw a pass to Justin Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase, right? When you look at USC, that to me would be the riskiest pick. I, If anything, I would stay as far away from USC as possible. To me, that's like put, taking all my life savings and dropping them on red. Because What? Yes. I'm telling what? you, P-Cell, listen. You, why, why would you say that is the biggest risk when you are going to a coach who has put the last four quarterbacks he coached in Heisman contention? Because, B-Cell... When you think about it, you this is a completely different team than what Caleb Williams did because USC, if he commits to USC, he's going to be the, the first year that they're joining the Big Ten Conference. And from what we saw the Huskers did when they joined the Big Ten, or you know, we could even point to Rutgers because if you guys remember, Rutgers, I believe, won the Big East on their last year in the Big East on the way to the Big Ten, and they're now the bottom feeder that everybody pees on, right? Nebraska, same thing. We were dominating the Big 12. We come to the Big 10, and because of the way that the Big 10 football teams play, we just weren't built with the linebackers, the defensive line, or the offensive line to hang with Big 10 type of play week in and week out. And USC 100% is not built for that. Yes, they might win a game if they only have to play one game in January, but ultimately – an entire season where they have to play, you know, they go back to back Minnesota, Ohio state, Michigan, Iowa. That's brutal. And they're not going to have the offensive line to protect Rayola in USC. Yeah. Well, if you're justifying offensive line being the decision maker on choosing a school that would probably lead him away from the Huskers. So we're just going to scratch that from the record here. But let me tell you something. You guys are looking too much into this crystal ball at the moment because here's the situation. Last week, as Jaisal said, Georgia was predicted the top team for him to go to. That's because he came off a visit to the University of Georgia. This past weekend, he's coming off a visit to USC where he apparently, in quotes, had a blast. Now, we know he was just in Lincoln for an unofficial family visit because it was not during the recruiting period. However, he has an official visit coming in on March 25th. He's also coming in with three of the top five players in this recruiting class, as well as another eight kids who are top tier talent here. Matt Rule has a solid official visit class coming in on March 25th, and it would not surprise me if we get a handful of recruits coming out of that weekend, and I could see Dylan committing to the Huskers just verbally after that visit. Well, b I 100% agree with that statement. That is the date I would circle on my calendar as well, because that is the date that Dylan Rayola would come out and commit to the Huskers. And I believe that's going to happen too, because I think he's out there and he's realizing that yes, all these other schools have now, something now, great to T-Cell, offer. T-Cell, I, 
not to interrupt you, I'm not saying he's going to commit on March 25th. That's when his visit is taking place. My guess would be, and my gut would tell me, it'll be in the couple days after that. Maybe the following weekend. Hopefully not April 1st. Maybe maybe a couple days before or a couple days after. Well, either way, I believe that he's going to ultimately make the decision at that point because, like you said, he came off his Georgia visit. He, you know, he just had his USC visit. He just had his Husker visit. I mean, how long can you hold it out there and linger? Because being the number one guy, it's like being LeBron James, right? If you commit to playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, there's going to be stars that want to sign with you in the off season. But if you wait until those big names start disappearing off the board, now there's nobody to follow you except for the two-star guy that you didn't want there in the first place. He doesn't want those guys. We as Husker fans don't want those guys, okay? So we need him to commit, and then it'll convince all of these other big-time athletes to follow him because talent likes to play with talent. You know, I'm definitely not going to hate on those predictions because me, along with you guys, would all love to see Dylan Rayola coming to play for Nebraska. I mean, I don't think he's going to commit that early, but hey, I'm all on board with the kid coming to Lincoln, Nebraska. But I want to know what you guys are predicting after the combine, how the Huskers are going to shape up in the draft, and how many you guys see actually getting taken off the board and not going undrafted. And who is going to be your top pick? Because I sure know mine, and he is a speedy wideout. I think he's going to be the top wide receiver off the board, but that, hey, that might just be me. Jay, so I don't know if I'd say Trey Palmer's going to be the top wide receiver off the board, but he definitely deserves to be based on the season that he had for the Huskers, the speed that he proved in the combine. Yeah, he's 100% going in one of the first two rounds. If, if, if he goes later than that, then he's definitely a steal for somebody. While it's a known fact that I'm getting older in age here every year, just like everybody, I, I might have to go get my ears checked. Jason, did you say Trey Palmer should be the first wide receiver off the board? You're darn right I did. I mean, he is the fastest wide receiver uh, that was at the combine with the stats he put up last year. Nebraska is not known for having a good quarterback, which I wouldn't even say they had a good quarterback. They had an above-average quarterback. And you're telling me they don't really pass the ball and somehow this guy was just putting up the stats. He was the one keeping the Huskers in the games. I mean... Go look what he did against that Purdue team who played in the Big Ten Championship, mind you. Go look what he did against any team this season where he had an above-average quarterback playing. I mean, Chubba deserved to be on the bench. Anybody else could have been able to just throw the ball up and watch this kid fly to that spot. I'm not taking anything away from that. Sounds like you are. No, Sounds like you are. I, it's just making me really wonder how you got my stash of roulette over there because Trey Palmer, while he is a top talent and he will probably go on day two, whether it's the second or third round, he's not going to be the first wide receiver off the board, nor should he be the first wide receiver off the board. That's where I think you're wrong. He is the best 
athlete out of any of the wide receivers that are in there. And he was putting up stats with a new team, brand new offense. I mean, this guy can play. What do you mean he is the best? What do you what do you mean he's the best athlete at the wide receiver position? Right now, they've got Jackson Smith in Jigba ranked down as like the fourth or fifth best wide receiver. And let me tell you something. What that kid did to us last year. Two years ago. Unstoppable. I don't think he played against us this year. He didn't play against us this year, but he played against us the year prior. Hey, um, I just want you to go ahead and go look at what Jack O'Connell did against these Huskers. And oh my God, I am so with you. What he did against the Huskers defense. I mean, that guy should be the number one pick in the draft. I mean... Doing that against the Huskers is something special. You're telling me I'm fourth down to win the game. This guy rolls out, somehow breaks a tackle, and goes for four yards against the stellar defense. I mean, we got Oshaw Mathis. This guy was such a big name, and he came into the Big Ten and really lit it up. I mean, yes, telling me what a guy did against Nebraska was really just a motivational speech right there, Bisa. And I expect O'Connell to go number one. I mean, the list goes, where's Graham Mertz? Where is Graham Mertz? Uh, don't even get me started there. I want to know about the 10th year guy up in Minnesota, that quarterback, I want to know where Tanner Morgan is going. I mean, that guy couldn't lose to the Huskers. He just owned the Huskers. So, I mean, that guy deserves to be playing at the next level. He had a top 10 pick because he did it against the Huskers, based on what you're saying. Don't even get me started on DeVito. Whatever his first name is, DeVito for Illinois, because guess what? They beat the Huskers. Oh, my God. You should have seen what he did. I don't care if you're doing something to the Huskers based on what I've been seeing for the past five, six, seven, ten years. I don't care what you do to the Huskers. I what you, I care what you do for the Huskers because nobody has been able to do it like that. And it showed he was special. I mean, he was a five-star at the beginning of his college career for a reason. It showed he is the fastest one out there. 4-3-3, unofficial, if you missed it. If you want to go pause that video, he crosses the line at about 4-1-6. Pause the video. That's what it is. He is the fastest to ever do it. So I've got a I've got a couple points here for you, JSL. First off, who is Jack O'Connell? I've never heard of Jack O'Connell. I've heard of Aiden O'Connell, who led the Purdue Boilermakers to beat the Huskers, but I've never heard of Jack O'Connell. Second, all right, Trey right, Palmer, Trey oh. Palmer. Did run a 4-3-3 at the Combine. Absolutely. And he was phenomenal. He showed out and all he did was help his draft stock. However, he did not do enough this season to jump him into the top five wide receiver spot. He was a deep threat. He wasn't a shallow cross. He didn't do anything in the route running. He basically was Whipple's get-out-of-jail-free card. Hey, Trey, we know you're faster than everybody else. Take it deep. We got you. And I think Trey Palmer will have a fantastic NFL career. I think he will be a steal in the draft on day two. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. However, he did not do enough this season to jump him up to be a number one wide receiver taken. Jack 
Aiden, I don't care what his name is. If he did it against the Huskers, he's the number one pick in the draft is how you're saying it. Look, he played at Purdue. He was a good enough quarterback to beat Nebraska. And guess what? I still don't know his name. I don't care what you do against the Huskers. This team was terrible. Their defense was awful. Nothing special about the Huskers. But let me tell you something. Yes, they might just be throwing up the ball to Trey Palmer down the field. Guess what you're going to do in college football? Guess what you're going to do at any level of football in any sport? You're going to get the ball to your playmaker. That's what the Huskers did. And they truly showed that this kid was special and worthy of being the number one wide receiver taken off the board. Nobody saw him going out there and running the fastest 40. Everyone said that this kid was lying about his speed and by almighty, he proved it to them and stuck it to them. But let's touch on a couple other guys that are clearly going to get drafted. We could talk about the other guys who who showed out. Uh, Travis Vokalek, um, the thing that he did well out there was uh, his bench reps, I think, was the thing they were talking about. So it was a pig, pretty big, bulky tight end. So That is not going to get the kid drafted, and... I believe Austin Allen went undrafted last season. So I don't think anything, I don't see anything personally changing with Travis Volkolek going to the draft. Well, I would say, Jason, I would say Austin Allen was a better college tight end, but I believe Volkolek is built more like an NFL tight end because he could, he could block and he can run out for passes as to where uh, Austin Allen was, he was just a big tall guy and he was pretty injury prone. And so, it was just kind of like you use him in the end zone. He's not really a run blocking tight end. So he's kind of more of a slot guy, but he's not quite as quick. So I, I could kind of see where that happened for him. Travis Vokalek, he's built like an NFL tight end though. So is he going to get drafted? It's, it's tough to say. He's he's anywhere from fifth to seventh to maybe undrafted. He'll definitely get signed to a team before training camp. Same thing with Oshan, except I believe Oshan actually will get drafted because it's just another big body out there. And I see, I see Oshan going in, I would say, the sixth round. Yep, that's exactly where I would put him, sixth or later, and that is for a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year or Big 12 all-American, whatever you want to call him, just a Big 12 type of defender that changed to the Big 10, and we saw the big drop-off he had. But the, the the surprise, though, is that Garrett Nelson did not get invited to the Combine. And I was thinking originally going into it, Garrett Nelson was an easy draft pick, but the fact that the scouts skipped on him going to the Combine really makes me question that. I, I mean, I know what he did for the Huskers, but... The NFL scouts must think he's not quick enough or something. He's going to have to really show out for the uh, Nebraska Pro Day to prove that he should have been at the Combine and he should be drafted. Otherwise, he's hoping for a phone call. I mean, he'll be signed to a team before training camp. Originally going into it, I thought he was at least a fourth or fifth round draft pick, but not getting that invite really made me change my mind. I'm really questioning that one now. He is a guy, I will tell you what, Garrett Nelson, if he goes undrafted, that I would look for the Colts to pick up and sign undrafted because one thing he did was he paired very well with JoJo Doman. And you know who works for the Colts? JoJo Doman's dad. He just goes by Joe Doman. It's Big Joe Doman. 
Yeah, I think there's a couple things to touch on here, Tiesel. Um, While Garrett Nelson did have a productive career for the Huskers, he wasn't a game changer by any means. And you can sit here and tell me that he was a fantastic defensive player. He will not finish as a Nebraska all-timer on defense. He played four seasons with the Huskers, never had a winning record, was basically just a golden turd on a field surrounded by turds. O'Shawn Mathis, the only reason he got invited to the Combine is simply because of what he did at TCU. It had nothing to do with this mediocre season he just played for the Huskers. There's a couple guys who did not go to the Combine who I think still have a shot at getting drafted or signed signed as undrafted free agents. And I think there's a couple names. Caleb Tanner very easily could be a seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent. Caleb has a great worth at work ethic on the on and off the field. He's a very likable guy. But then here's a guy who I think could be a steal in the undrafted free agent signings as well. It's a guy who didn't really do a whole lot, but stuck around for the Huskers for the last couple of years. And I believe Tiesel, when he picked Garrett Nelson to be his game changer on defense last year. He also picked Omar Manning to be his game changer on the offensive side of the ball. And let me tell you something. Omar did very little for the Huskers, but he could turn this around and he's got the build. He could be a guy that ends up making it in the NFL. Be All some, right, be I, just wanna, I am jumping right at you very quickly. You were talking about JSN and what he did against these Huskers. Yes, you're coming out here and calling our playmaker on defense a turd surrounded by a bunch of other turds. What, what does JSN lighting up turds show to put him as the number one wide receiver? In your book, that is what I want to know from your point of view. Jason, when you look at Jackson Smithing Jigba's season, he was hurt this year. He didn't play. So you are going off of what he did in 2021. 95 receptions, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns. He did that for Ohio State, and he balled out. Now, I'm going to go yes, back. And- exactly. I'm going to cut you off real quick. He did that for Ohio State. Don't forget, Ohio State is a high-flying offense, probably one of the best in college football. Secondly, he didn't even play this year, and you're going to come out here and tell me that he is the number one wide receiver above Trey Palmer. Third, he did it against the Huskers. Nobody cares about that. Jay Salt, so again... Let's just let's go back and let's see the run Jackson Smith and Jigba finished on in the 2021 season. It is 2023 and, right now, folks. Yes, and we just finished the 2022 season. So again, where was he missed he? last season? He okay. was hurt. So you are talking October 9th. So I'm not even going to go all the way back to the through the entire season. Go back to his 08. Pee-wee football stats. Bring this, those up so we could really rank him. Against Maryland, 103 yards on five receptions. Against Indiana the following week, six receptions, 99 yards. Against Penn team, State. Top against Penn State. College football. 
ranked in the top 25, six receptions, 97 yards. Against the Huskers, 15 receptions, 240 yards, and a touchdown. Against Purdue, top 20 team, nine for 139 and a touchdown. Then against Michigan State, a top 10 team, 10 for 105 and a touchdown. Then he finished the season against Michigan, 11 for 127. And let's just, let's cap it off. Let's see, okay, Ohio State went to the Rose Bowl that year because Michigan beat them and ended up kicking them out of the playoffs, right? We all remember that. Went to the Rose Bowl against number 11 ranked Utah. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, 15 receptions, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Give me a break. The kid's a game changer. The kid deserves to be one of the top two wide receivers taken this year in the draft. I don't care that he missed all this season hurt. The kid can play. I want you to now go ahead and go pull up CJ Stroud's stats. And I would love to know what his attempts per game passing were and how many times they actually handed the ball off. Look, they're a passing offense. You plug Trey Palmer into that team. He is putting up better stats than JSN any day of the week. And guess what? Nobody cares about what you did two years ago. It's about what you did most recently. Nobody wants an injury prone guy and everyone wants the fastest guy they can get. Jason, I completely agree with you. I see if Trey Palmer was on Ohio State, he would have put up better stats than Jackson Smith Najigba. And that's not taking anything away from him. I think that guy's a stud wide receiver too, but Trey Palmer is just on a different planet good. And I expect him to just light up the NFL when he has the chance because, as Jason mentioned, it's all about speed. You can't teach speed. And Bisa, I got to tell you something else. You are completely wrong with your take on Omar Manning. Yes, I did say that he was my offensive guy, but he was nothing but a disappointment that season. And I completely disagree with you. I don't see him going fourth round or better. He is definitely at best an XFL player because yes, he may have the size, but what good is the size if you don't do anything with it? I'd like to know where you heard fourth round or better. I believe I said undrafted free agent that could make an impact, but apparently somebody else needs to get their ears checked. He may as well be quote unquote fourth round or better with the way that you were up talking this guy. He did nothing for the Huskers. He had two catches on the year pretty much. And yet you're talking about him getting drafted. That makes zero sense to me. You know, we're not, we're not, you are, no, you are the person who has been legitimately saying all season, all off season since it Whipple did not run an offense. It was drop back and just chuck it deep for Trey Palmer. So to sit here and tell me that Omar Manning had two catches on the year, I am not surprised. We didn't have an offense. We didn't run an offense. It was a chuck and pray type of deal. It was a hail Mary every game. And that is why Trey Palmer Put up the numbers he did. Yes, Trey Palmer has game-changing and game-breaking speed. I'm not taking away from that. I am just telling you when you compare him to other wide receivers around college football, he is a top 25 guy, but he is not top five. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be a top five draft pick. I'm just saying he is going to be 
a nobody said a top five draft pick. I'm telling you, he's not a top five wide receiver in this class. Well, I'm just saying, Visa, if if you pull out any of the wide receivers that you claim are better than Trey Palmer, you plug them into the Huskers team. Are they getting a thousand yards? And my answer is probably not because without his speed, he wouldn't have had any of the stats that he put up. That's what game changing speed does for you because ultimately he he made it possible for Casey Thompson to just try and throw it over the safety's head. And lo and behold, there he is. There's not somebody else in college football that would have been open in three seconds before Casey Thompson got hit. Listen here, T-Saw, I think that was a very generous probably there. I do not see any other guy plugging into the Huskers and doing what Trey Palmer did. It was honestly his speed that gave him the ability to do that because Casey Thompson didn't have any time, and that is why he got hurt in this season. The offensive line was terrible, so he just had to throw the ball either out to Trey Palmer and let him use his legs to do something or just try to chuck it as far as he could and let Trey Palmer run under it. Look, he didn't play for Ohio State, and if he did, he would be the best, have the best stats. He would have been at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. But look, he wasn't there because he played for the Huskers, and look at the stats that he put up for the Nebraska Cornhuskers at a wide receiver. It is unheard of in a season. Jay Saul, you and me are saying the same thing here. It's without Trey Palmer and his speed, the Huskers offense would have been non-existent this season. Thanks for joining us for another week of the Sully Scoop. You're here with Jay Saul. B Saul. And T Saul. And don't forget to follow and like and leave a comment to be on next week's Grandstand Gossip. Go big red. <laughs>